You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I am Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins is here as well. And back from his summer in the sun is our very own Mike Chappell. Mike, welcome back to the studio. Glad to have you here. Everyone, back at home again. It's glad to get out of Beach Grove. <laughs> Briefly. Well, you, you never know when when Mike's uh, when the Beach Grove internet is going to is going to pop up and rear its ugly head, <laughs> but uh but we we are back. No no need for that today. And uh, and happy to have you as we really turn our focus toward Colts training camp as the team is ready to report in less than 2 weeks. We'll begin our training camp previews, breaking down the state of the offense today for the Colts. Also check in on ESPN's top 10 list at every position, which uh, we started last week with a couple Colts named on the defensive side of the ball to the top 10s. So uh, no doubt, uh, Forrest Buckner and Darius Leonard uh, in that group. See if anybody on the offense made it. But first, there is a little trivia question from Mike Chappell, something that Joe and I were discussing over the past couple weeks. We wanted to see if you would be able to get this off the top of your head. Yeah, we had to make sure, you know, you've been staying up on your Colts knowledge during your time off. So I had a few questions for you about this Colts roster. I'll start with question number one. Who has more career interceptions, Kenny Moore or Xavier Rhodes? Career? Kenny Moore. Nope, Xavier Rhodes by two. Uh, Rhodes has 12 <clears throat> and Moore has 10. What a start. Question number two. <laughs> Does Kenny Moore have more career sacks or interceptions? Interceptions. Correct. Uh, Boom. Ten interceptions to six sacks. Who has more receptions since the start of 2018, T.Y. Hilton or Naheem Hines? Naheem Hines. Uh, it's Hilton by seven catches. Because 2018, he had the good season with Andrew True. Luck. Um, since 2019, it is Hines over the past two years. I noticed that Hines has got was it 170 catches. I think so. That's third most. That's most by a Colt running back in three years, mm-hmm. and it's fourth most by a Colt in For his first, first three, three years. years yeah. His first three years. That's he, impressive. He has 170 over that time. Hilton had 177, so it was pretty close. Um, and then my last question for you here, how many full 16-game seasons has Darius Leonard played in his career? One. Uh, the answer is none. He missed two games last year, three in 2019, and one as a rookie. Fortunately, not missing too many games there. No, True. But not, not, not an injury prone at all, but no. he's yet to complete a full season. I need, a, I need another slam dunk question to get me back <laughs> right above 300. Okay, I know you'll know this one. How many years in a row has uh, the Colts rolled out a new starting quarterback for opening week? Ooh. This will be five. This yeah. will be five. Yep. yep. There we go. Can you name yep. them? I can, yeah, because yes. I, you? I... You better be able to name them. Last <laughs> year was Philip Rivers. The year before that was Jacoby Brissett. And the year before that was Andrew Luck. The year before that was Scott Tolzien. Thank goodness he started one game. Yes. Yeah. And uh, then this year will be number five. Yeah. So, yep. Mr. Wentz or Eason. We don't know. Maybe. I can went back and looked. I mentioned that in our quarterback preview. It's the first time since, gosh, was it the... Was it the 90s when they started five different quarterbacks in five years? Yeah, I think it was Craig 94. Erickson was in the group and Harbaugh and Jeff. It started, it started like in 91. Yeah. It started in 91. Jeff George, Mark Herman, Erickson, Harbaugh, Hoga, not Hogaboom. 
Chandler? I don't know who the, other, the fifth one it was. It might have been Chandler. That sounds right to me. But but it, it just it, it shows you how, since we're talking offense today, how they've got to get this quarterback thing fixed. It's got to be Carson Wentz because if it's not Carson Wentz, let's say he just crashes and burns this year. Who's your quarterback next year? And how do you get your quarterback next year? You haven't got draft capital. No, you don't. What other quarterbacks has Frank Wright had in his coaching right. career that he could draw? Nick upon? Foles. Tyron going to be Nick Foles. Yeah, Nick Foles. Is, That's what it's going to be. <laughs> Maybe Philip Rivers will get tired of coaching at the high school level and he come back for a comeback player of the year thing next right. year. That'd be fun. Let's move on. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, starting with the news today, reported Monday that seven NFL teams are now above the 85% threshold for player vaccinations and 70% of players league-wide have at least one shot. Of course, Monday was the deadline to be fully vaccinated and avoid major restrictions when most teams open camp on July 27th. Um, we, we went over that lengthy list of what is basically um, two classes of players, you know, Mike, who, who have been vaccinated and those who haven't. There's a completely different set of rules for those who haven't been vaccinated. And I think when we're out in Westfield, we're going to see some of those differences because because of these rules and what they are. And certain players need to be masked up at uh, at certain times. Certain players are not allowed to talk uh, to the media. Uh, certain face to face, uh, face to face, exactly. Uh, that's thank you for for including that. So there, there, we we will know. I think in in some sense, at relatively quickly in camp, uh, which part of which group uh, these these players belong to. Yeah, you understand the privacy issue, the privacy side of it. To some degree, you do. But, again, when you're out there on the field, you're going to know. Yeah, and that's something that Joe and I talked about. You know, like, you, we, we, you respect their privacy, and, and and it is a personal choice. That's what Chris Ballard had said, the, the decision. Like, they're not going to push that the players have to get vaccinated. They will, they will strongly encourage them to do so. But but it, it may be a privacy issue for some, but it's going to be obvious, I think, for many of us who are just who are just sitting there. You don't have to have a, a medical degree to to, to, to to see exactly how it's all going to play out. And that's just kind of the weird crossover between public health issues that are an issue where it impacts everybody and also personal decisions regarding your own health. So I'm not really sure how you avoid that. Uh, the, in, the NFL has, has really... I was wondering how the NFL was going to approach this. They've done probably all they can do as far as pushing the envelope on you can't mandate it at least they're not mandating it but they're but they've made it very very as you guys have gone over the the restrictions on how you interact with your teammates in the locker room and the weight room on the practice field and travel mm -hmm. you don't travel with the team right so it's they, they've made it really really difficult so to me the players who, who remain, and there's going to be some, a handful, whatever whatever the percentage is, these will be guys who have very firm anti-vaccination convictions. It's not it's not going to be a political thing. To, it won't be. It'll be that they firmly believe that this is how you should do this. And those are the ones that you just simply have to say, okay, that's that's your belief. But there's going to be repercussions if you don't get vaccinated. Jim Mersey also tweeted out that Lucas Oil Stadium, the convention center with its vendors, will host a job fair on Saturday. This Saturday, just a couple days away, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. They need part-time workers for large events, for conventions, for Colts game days. Uh, the Colts Blue Zone Twitter, by the way, that is at Colts Blue Zone, tweeted out a link to that. So if you are in, in need, we encourage you to 
head out and uh, check out the job fair and uh, maybe work with the Colts in some form or fashion coming up over the next coming weeks and months. Could be pretty cool to have a full stadium, isn't it? Yeah, I agree, man. I, 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 I hope we do. Yeah. I mean, you see that with things on the rise elsewhere and all this, I hope that we still hit, stay headed in the right direction and yep. full stadiums are where we need to be. I, I agree. Looking forward to that. Um, now let's uh, turn our attention to ESPN's list of the uh, 50 league executives, coaches, scouts, and players stacking up the top 10 players at 11 different positions. As I mentioned last week, we learned DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard are on the list in their positions. Though, uh, as, I, as I pointed out, Mike, uh, Darius Leonard being ranked fourth best in off-ball linebackers, I'm sure he's going to put that up in his locker. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't, <laughs> doesn't need a lot of motivation. No, but people keep giving it to him. Right. Which is fine. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I've always wondered that when you make all pro and this, that, and the other, he's going to get the big contract. Don't you think the dissing would would dissipate? But it won't. He, this is a guy. He's so much like Robert Mathis, and in his part of his DNA to find reasons to motivate yourself, and mm -hmm. that's fine mm -hmm. if it works for him. It's just that whenever he talks about how the local media or how media, and he kind of includes the local media. Haven't given him whatever his just due. I'm thinking, wait a minute. Easy, Tiger. But but if it works for him, so good for him. Mm -hmm. Another Colt made the list this week, very unsurprisingly, an interior offensive lineman. Quentin Nelson ranked the number one interior offensive lineman in the NFL. Got the highest percentage of first place votes of any player except for Aaron Donald uh, in the defensive interior uh, position. It's uh, one NFL linebacker, veteran linebacker, said it's power, athleticism, it's want to. He's not going to lose that block. He came out of the gate saying, I'm a number one pick, I'm the best, I'm better, and I'm going to pummel you. Pummel is in quote, uh, in, is, is that a word so that maybe I shouldn't say? Yeah. I'm going to. Okay. This is what ESPN had. Maybe he didn't say anything, and they, instead of picking a harsher word to okay. put in there, they just went with pummel. I, but, bet, I bet Quentin had a harsher word. I, I would <laughs> think that that would be uh, his leaning toward that way as well. But You know, I think mm -hmm. what's really going to be interesting with Quentin is I, it, we had this argument last year at times where he's not, he's your best player. I, I think he's the best player in your team. I, I really do. And he's not the most indispensable. Right. I mean, you know, give me a left tackle. Mm -hmm. Give me a quarterback. And when it comes time for him to get his new contract next year, how high is high? He's not going to want – his people are not going to be the highest paid guard. They're going to be the highest paid offensive lineman. Is that is that an area you can get into? But, you know, next year at this time, barring injury, he's going to be a four-time first-team All-Pro. There's like three of those in NFL history. That, that's pretty good, and Quentin will certainly deserve it, assuming he stays healthy and assuming he stays on the same career arc he has. There's absolutely no reason to believe anything else right now. Um, no other Colts made the top ten in any other position. Jonathan Taylor was an honorable mention at running back. One AFC scout said that he thinks he'll be considered top five at the end of this season. But you look at who uh, ESPN voted top ten, Mike, and there's you start off with guys that you probably can't debate uh, that they belong there, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara. Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott. So those are the top uh, six there. Two, three, four, seven, excuse me. 
Um, after that, you get Aaron Jones for Green Bay, and I think he certainly deserves a spot. Uh, Joe's shaking his head a little bit back and forth. I think he deserves a spot, but I think head. it's debatable him yeah, or Yeah, him, Joe Mixon, and Josh Jacobs. All three of those guys. I think, I think Mike, I would certainly put Jonathan Taylor at least in the same category as those guys, and assuming that Taylor, as an honorable mention, was right off the uh, right outside the list of these guys. Um, I, he certainly deserves mention among that that group. I would think. I don't argue top seven yeah. at all. I mean, yeah. although Saquon Barkley again coming off major injury, but again, when you get into the Jones, Mixon, and Jacobs, th- th- then it is sort of what's your flavor? What do you mm-hmm. prefer? And Jonathan Taylor would be right there. Again, it's just it's just he's such a short resume, but I would take Jonathan Taylor over Josh Jacobs, probably over Joe Mixon as well. Aaron Jones. Don't know, but at least he's right there. The important thing on these lists, as I've found, is kind of like the Pro Bowl. Get your name in there early. Yeah. Be in the mix early, and then so next year, maybe if Taylor has another good year, he's in that group just by reputation and production. Yeah, well, once you're there, it's hard to knock yourself out. Like if you're Ezekiel Elliott, who didn't have the best year last year by any stretch. He was still productive, but you're not going to have a top 10 list without Ezekiel Elliott. And I think he deserves to be there. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be there. I'm just saying get your name there, like you said, Mike, and it's really hard to knock you out. I thought it was interesting that Carson Wentz did receive some votes as a top 10 quarterback. Um, And let's see, one veteran NFL offensive player uh, quoted as saying, the culture in Indy with Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, it's a completely different vibe there compared to Philly. And don't care how well you play week to week, they are feeding uh, something about consistency. Uh, good line, good running game. It'll be perfect for Carson. And uh, when you look at the top 10, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, really hard to argue without top five. Matthew Stafford at six, I thought was really interesting to see him all the way up there. That's a projection on being with a new team. Yeah, it with... might be, yeah. And then Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and only in his second year right there in, uh, in, in L.A. with the Chargers, and then Kyler Murray. So there's your top 10. And uh, if, if Carson's getting votes there in the top 10, uh, Joe, I think that's I mean that's encouraging that it's not just a Colts fan sipping the Kool-Aid that Carson Wentz could have a turnaround season. There's some people uh, well-connected in the NFL, whether it's scouts or coaches or other players specifically, that think that he could contend up there uh, during this season as well. And I think prior to the 2020 season, it wouldn't have surprised any of us if he was if he would have yeah. made the list. Yeah, um, you know, I agree. He was considered a top 10 quarterback for several years there. So uh, I think it's uh, not a crazy idea that he's going to bounce back, and that's the idea the Colts are banking on. It's it's crazy how it, it, you're you're so weighed on a player's uh, impression by what you've seen most recently, which I understand. Mm-hmm. But his first four years in Philly were pretty good. Yep, the arc was going up, and then last year, you know, came and it just it it just soured everybody on him, including the Eagles. So, like I said, like we talked about, the, the Colts are banking on so much that he's pre twenty twenty, and I, I just have to, they're not. This is not bringing in Andrew Luck and saying you're the guy. You've got to carry us or Peyton Manning. It, it's you know, do your job when you've got to make the five or six plays every every game. Make them. You know, it's, they, they don't need 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. That'd be great. But mm-hmm. that's, that's, he's, got, he's got a great offensive line. He's got a top two or three running back group. I, I like Cleveland's better if, if you, you know, have to rate them. Receivers, it's a good group without a 
shining star, so to speak, tight ends I'm not really bullish on yet. But just do your job. Mm-hmm. Just in he, he, what we can say from the the brief look we had out of him during the offseason work was he looked okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what you can tell from two from, weeks of light contact, no eleven on eleven, and and you're a full football field away from him too. As, no, as no we're que- watching, no que- yeah, no question. <laughs> so they always have quarterbacks practicing all the way at right. the end, away from us, uh, lowly media members. That's not by any. <laughs> yes, but 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 then too, he's been working. I, I was reading. Um, was it Zach Kicks from SI.com has got a nice series on him. And he talked to, to Adam Dedeau, who who's the quarterback guru, that, along with Tom House. And Winch has been working with him. He worked with him in 2017. And we talked to Frank Reich in the offseason. It's clear that they really think if they can get him back to playing the position the right way, fundamentals, you know, court, footwork and all that, and then get your confidence back. If you've got a, a quarterback who's not confident, you got problems. So, again, come out, do your job, make the plays when you have to, and, and rely on the people around you, which last year Carson Wentz could not do. I think that's a perfect springboard into our training camp preview with uh, quarterbacks being the first on the list. So we've already discussed Carson Wentz a good deal there. Mike, I think one of the biggest surprises for me this offseason was that the Colts did not bring in a veteran backup quarterback to be there just in case something happens to Carson Wentz. He has had injury issues the past couple years. You can debate whether or not they, he's injury prone. I mean, he dives once and gets his ACL torn up, and he has some concussions. That's uh, was concerning for sure. But remember, he had back issues. He did for have a back issues there, again, yeah. like, and that's scary when you have a back mm-hmm. issue for sure. Like, that can rear its ugly head again, but. To go into the season, that's something that Chris Ballard said, I think, at the end of last year. He wasn't confident enough then to name Jacob Eason the backup quarterback. Well, right now, Jacob Eason's the backup quarterback. Ellinger's certainly third. And then you have Jalen Morton, a rookie out of Prairie View A&M, who went undrafted this past year. It's not exactly the deepest group. You, you have to rely on Carson Wentz to be the guy. And if it's not Carson Wentz out there... It, I don't know what Jacob Eason has right now, and if he walks out, you might be excited to see what the kid can do, but you can't be you can't feel confident in in anything right now in in what we know. He's not taken a competitive snap at this level, right? And you know he was one of those as many many younger players who really was harmed by the pandemic last year from a competitive situation. No offseason work, no preseason games. The season gets going, and Philip Rivers is, is he and Jacoby Brissett are taking the snaps. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those where you think you know, but you don't know. And I'm I'm with you. I, I remember asking uh, Chris Ballard after the draft. We had our casual sit down with him, and I asked him if they might look at a a veteran. He says, "Well, he mentioned well maybe in training camp when they see what they have. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys that are going to be out there then are out there now. Maybe you'll get somebody else that's that's cut." A, a name. The problem with bringing a guy in in training camp in a training camp is they're going to have zero experience in your system. So it, it, it will be an emergency situation. And as we've seen, when you lose your starting quarterback, all bets are off. Go back to 2011 with Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. Not not a pretty 2011. And when luck was out, they sort of muddled through at times. But uh, I'm with you. I'm a little concerned about that. Uh, none of these quarterbacks backing up wins have stepped on the field 
it, it, it's concerning, and you know it, it's an interesting note, so to speak. But the Colts were one of two teams with, with a quarterback group, and none of them played with the team last year. The Colts and the Jets. Mm-hmm. So th- th- it's not a good situation to be in. You know, you're not asking for Carson Wentz to be the savior, but you're asking for Carson Wentz to play. 16 games. Yeah, Joe, Joe, whenever you have the unknown, that also that gives people like some 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 level of uh, anticipation for what could happen. So yeah, you can go out there and say like you're really confident in Carson Wentz. And I think that he's going to have a better year this year than last year. But at the same time, if you're ranking like it just league wide, how teams enter this season at quarterback, I don't think you can rank the Colts significantly high in that list because of all the unknown that there is with this group. Like Mike said, not one of them took a single snap with this team last year. Yeah, including the whole group. They'd probably be ranked around like 20th or something it like might that. Be. Looking at just a quick glance at the top free agent veteran quarterbacks, the best one's about Robert Griffin. Um, so I guess if you wanted to sign Robert Griffin, he could maybe win you a game or two. I thought I saw that he was going to sign a deal with ESPN to be like a, an oh, analyst now. Maybe so. that's why he's a free yeah, exactly. Currently. Yeah, exactly. Is Matt Schaub on the list? Yeah, 52-year-old Matt Schaub, <laughs> I think, is on the list. Yeah. He's been around forever. Uh, there's just not, you know, there's not that guy like Andy Dalton or a Case Keenum or someone who you could feel confident Ryan bringing Fitzpatrick in. Fitzpatrick type of player exactly. who, who's done yeah. it. And, that's, and again, I think there will be a guy out there at the end of training camp when teams only carry two quarterbacks, you're going to get somebody. But by and large, it's going to be that uh, the Brian Hoyer. Who is, is he st- back in New England? I think he is. I think he is, yeah. But, th- that, but that's the kind of guy you're going to get. And, you know, if it's a long-term loss, your season probably is sunk. But you want a guy like the Colts had hoped for uh, a couple years ago with Brian Hoyer to come in and – and get you through bad times, which he really didn't do. No. no it didn't work out too well. No, it, you thought it was, and then... Uh, it worked it, out well for Minka Fitzpatrick. True. And <laughs> Miami. Right, and them too. Uh, let's head to a quarterback's best friend, uh, or maybe the second best friend after offensive line, but the running game. Right alongside Carson Wentz will be either Jonathan Taylor or Marlon Mack or Naheem Hines, and you can throw Jordan Wilkins in there as well, as those four uh, have been, the well, they were last year, the, uh, the core group of uh of ball carriers for the colts um joe has a couple of good stats here uh the fourth highest total in the nfl over the past two seasons the colts have 940 rushing attempts they run it a lot compared to other teams in the league and uh the team ranked uh as a unit 11th in 2020 and seventh the year before in 2019 in rushing too so frank reich has obviously a history of wanting to run the ball and when Carson Wentz was an all-pro candidate even back in Philly the one year. The Eagles were the number one rushing team in the NFL when they went on to win the Super Bowl. So we're going to see all of these guys in certain ways. My th- Mike, I think it'll be intriguing how we see the dis- uh, the distri- distribution between Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack because Taylor certainly cemented himself as a number one running back last year with what he was able to do. But... They're not. Ju- I don't think the Colts are just going to sit on Marlon Mack either. They they brought him back for a reason, even though they didn't pay him big money, and uh, he he's a, he was a was and is is still a talented back himself. So I think he's going to get his his share of carries that'll eat into uh, Jonathan Taylor a little bit in the backfield. As those two will probably be the primary ball carriers. Hines will do more of his damage, as we were mentioning earlier, from at, from a receiving standpoint. Yeah, that's uh, what is Marlon Mack twenty five. I mean, yeah, he's still young. He's still a young. If you look at the, all these running backs, this is a young, young group. And 
keep in mind, b- before he, tear, he tore his Achilles last year, he, his star was so much on the rise, coming off an, a, like an 1,100-yard season in high hopes he was going to be the guy and, Jordan, and, and JT was going to be sort of the guy that eased in and, and found carries for. Those have flipped. But there's no question, and I think they're going to ease Marlon Mack back in. He's, he's not going to get 10 carries a game right. in September, I don't think. But if he makes a full recovery from that Achilles, then you just never know. But just a great one-two punch to go with. They called it a one-one punch before the Achilles. And what that does then, it makes you wonder how they get Naheem Hines' his carries again. Yeah. Not his touches, but his carries. And I, it's funny, I keep going back to the Zoom conversation we had with him in, was it April? Or May, whatever or May, it was. I think it was May. May or yeah, May, where I just I, I, I threw the two words at him that he just hated the gadget guy. Doesn't like the term gadget guy. He does not. It wasn't meant as a as a derogatory term, but but he if Mac and Taylor are able to carry eighty five percent of the time, he he's Heinz has got to be that guy that is almost a third down guy. And that 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 slot guy as a receiver, and the punt returner too, you've got to get him his touches. He he just he's coming off his best season, uh, as far as a runner, career highs in in carries, yards, yards per attempt, and he really went off the charts on his explosive plays last year. The ten plus carries, the ten plus yard carries. So they've it's really a it's a, it's a difficult situation, but it really behooves the team to find a way to keep Naheem Hines involved because he's that good. Well, and I feel like getting him his carries, and especially him being effective on the ground last year, helped him make bigger plays in the passing game, too, when the defense can't go, oh, they're going to pass Naheem Hines is in. When Hines is a legitimate threat running the ball, it just makes every other aspect of his game that much more effective as well. I feel like Jordan Wilkins this year, if all three of those guys are healthy, basically becomes non-existent in the offense. He becomes the guy that when somebody gets hurt, you bring him up. Right. Yeah, he had 84 carries last year, and those will all go to Mack, I assume, and Hines will probably lose 15 to 20 carries to Mack. And then Taylor can probably still get around 230, I would think, and Mack could still get about 100 if that math works out that way. Jonathan Taylor, who we haven't spoken about too much, uh, and – unjustifiably so. Uh, he's going to be the bell cow uh, for the most part. Well, bell cow might not be the right word, but he's going to be the primary be ball the feature guy. Yeah, feature back is, is the better word for it. But was third in the NFL in rushing in 2020 with nearly 1,200 yards. Um, and there was a distinct difference between his first half of the season and the, what happened down the stretch. First nine games, he averaged about 50 yards per game and less than four yards per carry. Last six games, 123 yards per game, six yards per carry. Big, big difference. He certainly got better. And this is what we were talking about at the start of last year, saying, hey, maybe Marlon Mack's the guy at the beginning, then Jonathan Taylor comes on late. Well, Jonathan Taylor certainly came on late when he got just more used to whatever he was, whatever he wasn't used to at the start of the year, he was used to at the end of the year. And, and he, he was able to find the holes that he wasn't at the start of the year, make the big plays he wasn't at the start of the year. And, and you credit uh, you credit Tom Rathman for that a lot as the running backs coach. And you credit uh, he credits Marlon Mack a lot for for his um, job to just stick it around the team and hanging around still in the um, 
in the uh, meeting rooms and just being a being a sounding board for him. So, uh, so Jonathan Taylor, I, I would say certainly high expectations for him as we've been talking about really for this whole offseason, Mike. I was talking with uh, Dan Doggett on the radio on Tuesday, and he mentioned that he, he put twenty five bucks down in Vegas or or to, at a betting site that it's Jonathan Taylor twelve hundred and seventy five yards over under. I first said I first thought he said ten seventy five. I said, "Well, you take that." Oh yeah, over for sure. Uh, Twelve seventy five. That's seventy five yards a game. And I sort of. Th- that's why Vegas is so good. Is they put a number <laughs> right there. Uh huh. I would take the under only because of Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines. But you know, w- with a seventeen game season, all of a sudden you go from sixteen game season at sixty two yards a game for a hundred or for a thousand. Now it's fifty eight. Mm-hmm. But if if JT stays healthy, twelve hundred yards because you know he's going to have 80, 80, 75, 90, 150, 170, not two fifty three. Right. I mean, but but he's the kind of back that's going to. I just don't see him having twelve carries for eighteen yards. He's mm-hmm. not that kind of a guy. So with the way this team is structured, twelve seventy five seems high. But a back-to-back thousand yard, maybe eleven hundred yards this year seems certainly doable. The Colts have carried four running backs on their roster for uh, the past one, uh, at least the past three years. Every year uh, since uh, 2018, 2019, 2020 there. So those are the four really, with Jonathan, uh, with Jordan Wilkins rather the fourth. Um, after that, you get to Darius Anderson in his second NFL season, spent last year on the Colts practice squad. And also undrafted rookies Dion Jackson and Benny LeMay. So there's certainly an uphill battle for any of those guys to make the team. Um, Jordan Wilkins definitely has value as the special teams player. He is on the special teams units. He's on the punt protect unit. He's the guy that just that stands right behind the center there, right behind the long snapper, rather, I should say, in Luke Rhodes. So um, if, if somebody was to boot Jordan Wilkins off, off this roster, it would, it would have to have a heck of a preseason, I think, to do so. Um, on to wide receivers. Uh, Mike, you say it's a good group, but it lacks the uh, the one big star power. Uh, T.Y. did not have the year we come to expect from him last year. There was some speculation, obviously, whether he would return to the team or not. Uh, got an offer that was, quote-unquote, a better offer from the uh, Baltimore Ravens in terms of years and money, but uh, decided to come back to Indy and uh, and run it back again, see what, uh, what Carson Wentz could do, uh, and... Uh, it was it was it was good to see Ty coming back. I think that's certainly comforted. Maybe is a, is a good word for it because I mean we talk about um, expectations or, um, or or the unknown. And if you want to go into the season with Michael Pittman and uh, and Paris Campbell one two, well that's that's certainly a high uh, high praise for those two guys that the Colts think a lot about. But uh, it's certainly a lot better, I think, Mike, to have the veteran Ty back for his tenth NFL season. Yeah, and, and the question is, is is what does he have left, mm-hmm. and how much of of the of the downturn he's had back to back sub thousand yard seasons for the first time in his career, uh, three of the last four he's not had a thousand. So, d- does he have that left? I don't know. Uh, injuries, age is catching up with him a bit. Injuries that have cut into his productivity. He's a question mark. Michael Pittman, I think the sky's the limit for him. We saw the second half of the season. He really came on. I think we all maybe underplayed that uh, shin problem he had last year. 
which cost him probably a month. Yeah, month that, of October, really. Right. And Paris Campbell, I, I mean, you want to talk wild cards? <laughs> it, it's it's you just don't know. Uh, he's, was he played nine games in two seasons? Mm-hmm. And he he he's been the ultimate tease because he when he's out there, you think. Can you imagine 14, 15 games with this guy getting in the ball, either on those jet sweeps, out of the slot, whatever, the yards after the catch? Yet it's been one injury after the other, after another. Uh, you know, the, the most calming force in the group is Zach Pascal. All he does is catch he catches 50 balls, and what, he's had 10 touchdowns the last two seasons? Uh, I, I like the group's depth. I, I just they just don't have the guy, uh, you know that you know for some I went back to look for for two decades it was Marvin or Reggie or T Y. Yep, and now not so much. And part of that, it, it's just how it works out. But Frank Reich is totally comfortable with this. I'll have a, a receiver story up later in the day, and I went back and looked and in since 2012 as a position coach or coordinator or head coach. If I'm not mistaken, I'll double check it. I believe Frank has had two thousand yard receivers. Ty in 2018. I can guess the other one, but I was going to say Zach Ertz in Philly, right? No, no, no. Nope. Never mind then. Did, he never had a thousand yard receiver in in Philly. Okay. Keenan Allen in like 2013 or 14. Yep. That's it. That's it. Uh, and, and you know Zach Ertz was a leading receiver in Philly, never had a thousand yards. But Frank is very, very comfortable with the way they do things because he's they've his offenses have always made uh, great use of running backs, Danny Woodhead, people like that, and Naheem Hines, in uh, the tight ends with Ertz and people like, when he had Eric Ebron here. You know when we had Eric Ebron's career year, yeah, huge year. Uh, you know, last year, I think with the Colts, they had eight different players led them in receiving in a game uh, for receptions, and seven different led them in yards. So that's the way this team rolls. I would always, maybe it's just from being exposed to the pre to the previous Colt teams, I like to have a guy that I know that if I had to, doggone it, this guy's going to get me eight catches for 140 yards. Right. Uh, and with Ty, you had that early, not so much late. But they're very comfortable with it, with the way this offense is structured as far as spreading the ball around in the passing game. I think Zach Pascal, if you look across the NFL, could be the best fourth wide receiver in the league. If he's your fourth, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, there, there's there's no team that would not want Zach Pascal. Uh, to use a double negative, uh, right there with with and how productive he's been there still with uh, two back to back seasons of 600 yards and five touchdowns. Joe, he's not the fourth wide receiver that just comes in eventually. Like the Colts really make make room for him in the well, offense. He hasn't been the fourth wide receiver. He's been the third because Paris Campbell's been out. That's um, true. So hopefully he can be the fourth wide receiver for them. But yeah, there's very few teams. Maybe the Bills, off the top of my head, have wide receiver depth. That's pretty ridiculous right now. But, uh, yeah, very few. I was wondering, you guys, so we know the top four. Who makes a team at the end of this wide receiver roster, assuming they carry six? Right. So they've carried five or six uh, the past couple years, and I think twice they carried six. Yeah, the last two years they've carried six wide receivers out of training camp. Uh, Ashton Doolin has had that spot recently. 
because of his special teams uh, prowess. So I would be I would not be surprised to see him there again to get Ashton Doolin uh, on this roster as one of the six. And then after that, it's intriguing because DeMichael Harris had some play last year. Um, we saw number 12 in the backfield for the Colts. Everybody's like, who's 12? That, that's that's <laughs> not 12. He, mo- he moved a little bit differently than the old 12. And he got a lot smaller. Yeah, exactly. So DeMichael Harris, possibly. Desmond Patton. I'd put my money on Desmond Patton. I, I would, too. And here, here's why I lean him over Harris. Uh, I, I think that Harris was in there to do things that Paris Campbell is supposed to do. And if Paris Campbell's healthy, knock on wood, uh, you want you want the guy that you just you sat all of last year trying to develop him, Desmond Patman. You would like to see him do it if he if he did develop the way you want, Joe. That's what I think. I'm going to tell you that you're both wrong. My boy, Michael Strawn, the seventh-round rookie, is going to make it. I, I'm really excited about this guy. He's a freak athlete, 6'5", 230. I mean, I get he played for Charleston, but his numbers were ridiculous. 27 touchdowns over his past two years. He's been down there working out with Carson Wentz down in Texas. I think I saw recently he even brought his brother along, so it's a family affair down there now. Uh, I'm really high on Michael Strawn. I think he makes the team, and I think he's going to develop into a productive player. I think he's a practice squad player, at least early, because, I, I, again, you're, you've got, the, you've got the, the size with Pittman and Patman. That could be a nice pair. Pit and Pat. Pit and Pat. <laughs> and and I, I think they like that that utility, the, 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 the change up with Doolin or Harris. Uh, but Strawn, boy, again, he's got, he's got the tools. And we've seen guys from smaller schools come up and play. Mm-hmm. Pierre Garçon. Yep. I mean, he, he was a stud. So, again, th- this is – here we go again. We, we've talked about this so many times in the past, the – the depth in July and August. In the past, that's kind of gone away with injuries. I just like this group, and I think that they're going to be at a point to where cutting cutting to six is going to be difficult, and that's the way it should be. It, 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 there should be discussion, whether it's at the receiver, offensive line. Uh, I'd like to the weather position. I just, I'm just going to go to my grave saying I, I wish they had a bona fide number one T.Y. is going to make every effort to be that guy again this year. But uh, that to me, that's all is missing is a guy that is a no-doubt number one guy. But top to bottom, this is a pretty good group. And there's a couple of players, I think, if healthy and reaching full potential. I Pittman think could be. Pittman and Paris Campbell could possibly be those guys. You know, one thing on Paris Campbell, and here, here we go bashing another player again, if he's back, if he's back and he stays on the field, and Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor share the carries, doesn't this cut into Naheem Hines' touches? Because Paris Campbell is your slot guy. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to – I keep going back to this. They're going to have to be really creative to get one of their best players, Naheem Hines, his touches. Because as I said, he's too good of a player to not get his touches. So all the wide receivers there that'll be at least in the mix down there near the bottom of the uh, six-man depth chart would be Gary Jennings, J.J. Nelson, and then a couple of undrafted rookies, Tyler Vaughns, Tariq Black, Quarterly Dave, Courtney Davis. Um, and and that whenever we talk about undrafted rookies, that brings back the streak, Mike. That's uh, 21, 22, year, 22, I think, 22 I years think. now yeah, of a player making the opening day roster. And... Like it, and and the goal is always, I think, if if you're Chris Ballard, is to not have that streak continue because you want to have this built up depth in your team from year to year, and so it, it 
last year we saw the writing on the wall with uh, with Rodrigo Blankenship kind of uh, being the guy that maybe separated himself a bit uh, throughout camp, or at least was darn close in his competition with Chase McLaughlin and then took it. But uh, this year, there's there's no clear name. I don't think uh, certainly not on offense. At. No, definitely on not. on defense. Maybe at linebacker. Yeah, or something like that. But on offense, it's going to be really tough for for an undrafted guy to make this. Let's go to tight end, which uh, features a former undrafted rookie. That would be Jack Doyle, who made the Colts opening day roster back in the day uh, to uh, continue that streak. Jack now in his ninth NFL season, and a couple of nice hefty free agent contracts later, has uh, solidified himself as uh, Mister. Uh, uh, 8.6 yards per catch, Jack Doyle. Um, and we mean that as a compliment. We do, very much so. We, we were talking about it last week, Joe, because we were talking about these um, uh, milestones that he could potentially hit this year. And and we thought touchdowns, maybe. Uh, like, there there was a certain number of, like, yards he would have had to reach. Yeah. I was like, well, if he's averaging 8.6 yards per catch here, he's going like to have to have a lot of... 500 yards. Yeah, I was like, like I don't no think way. he's going to have 500 yards, <laughs> no. Jack Doyle. He's not going to have 60, 70 catches this Nine year. Nine yards and a cloud of dust. Exactly. Jack Doyle. But 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 you, he's a guy that you want out there. He's a great blocker as well. So uh, Jack Doyle is on the top of your tight end list. Mo Alley, when, go when, ahead, go when, ahead. When he, when he retires, they need to give him, like, those yard markers, the 10-yard yard markers, because <laughs> he moves the chains. Yep. And, and, again, it, it, this is not meant to denigrate him. You need Jack Doyles on your team. You just do because they do so much for you. After Jack, Mo Alley-Cox entering his fourth NFL season. Certainly had a couple of uh, eye-opening plays last year from time to time. I love the one where he just caught the ball over the middle, turned around. There's no one in front of him. You see this so huge elk running down the field uh, <laughs> amid a bunch of deer uh, alongside him. You can see that he's just head and shoulders bigger than everyone out there. Um, I, I certainly don't think you can say Mo Alley Cox has arrived uh, at, in terms of a, a star tight end in the NFL. But um, if you're looking for a, a pass catching tight end, I don't know if necessarily the Colts expect him to be that either. That's probably why they drafted Kylan Granson, the rookie out of SMU this year. Um, but but Mo has his place as well as a blocking tight end who can also catch and, and looks very good running down the middle of a field when given the opportunity. Granson will be. Very intriguing to watch again because he is purely a more of a pass catching guy, a guy that you want to line up split, a guy that you want to go over the middle and uh, and try to uh, get a mismatch on a linebacker and uh, be able to not be eight point six yards per catch from the tight end position. Like you want a guy who can who can be do a little bit damage, maybe twelve yards per catch from from that spot, and which is what they thought they had last year with. Uh Burton. Trey Burton, yeah. and he just he gave you a little bit, but not what in you really... In training camp, it looked great, and right. then really just in the season, didn't quite pan out. Right. He, he made some plays and did some things, but they, they again, they, they want that Eric Ebron type of guy, or, or another level, Dallas Clark, which, you know, th- th- this is this is not Dallas Clark. I remember talking to uh, Bill Pullian for some Hall of Fame work, and w- with the way that the teams of the 2000s was structured, he thought that the, the players who took that team to, to the top level was Reggie Wayne as the second receiver and Dallas Clark. There the, the, the was the tight end that just makes plays. He gets the matchups and he just kills teams down the seam over the middle yards after the catch. And if they can get that out of a, out of grandson, now that's, that's a bar way it's too a, high. It's a big ask, but he's going to be given the chance because he's, he's probably the only guy on this, on this list that has that skill set. 
and we know how Frank likes his tight ends, and he will find a way to see if Granson can be that guy. Noah Togiai, Farad Green, Jordan Thomas, Andrew Volert, uh, also on the Colts roster right now. Um, the past couple years, in 2018-2019, uh, the Colts carried four tight ends out of camp. Last year, they carried three. Joe, I think that's probably because they carried three quarterbacks out of camp. They needed to take the one somewhere else. Um, so if they carry three quarterbacks out of camp this year, then maybe uh, there's only three tight ends. But if there's only two quarterbacks, then you might be able to see four guys come up. It's just it's all always a matter of roster dynamics, of course. Yeah, and they'll have to consider who's a bigger threat to be plucked away from right. practice squad. And I'd almost think maybe Sam Ellinger is a bigger threat to be plucked away than a one of these tight ends that you mentioned. I think Noah Togai. Togiai. Uh, Togiai I think it, yeah. had the most active games for them last year with four. Uh, so he's probably the front runner to be that either practice squad guy or that fourth tight end. But I wouldn't be surprised if they went with three again. And, and maybe there's a tight end again. As much as I like to use these guys, when teams start cutting players, yep, they uh, that's how they got Togi last year. Correct. Aren't, aren't, aren't you gonna, aren't, don't you really think they can find a fourth tight end? Who's better? <laughs> Zach Ertz is a guy. <laughs> I asked I asked uh, Chris Ballard about that during our get together, and he just sort of. He gave the impression that that was never really an option just because of the price. You know, they've got money to go elsewhere. But it's funny. I'm interested to see where a certain player lands. Delaney Walker. I mean, he's probably 34, 35, whatever. 40. <laughs> he can't be 40. <laughs> I'm going to guess 38. He's, right. he's up there a little bit. He came out of college a little late. Delaney Walker is 36. There you go. All right. But that, but that's the kind of guy, you know, if, if there's a veteran out there that, that can, can, can get you 12, 15, 20 yards down the field, a veteran guy, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if, if that guy's here in September, just, just a hunch. Let's look at offensive line. We'll start with the tackle. After allowing a league-high 56 sacks back in 2017, boy, how, how far in the past is that right now, thankfully? Uh, Colts have finished top 10 and fewest sacks allowed each of the past three seasons. Uh, thank you, Quentin Nelson, among others. But at left tackle, you got Eric Fisher when he is healthy, of course. Uh, he is a two-time Pro Bowler. Uh, Two of the last three years, isn't it? Yep. I think Pro Bowl. Yep. And uh, Buddy Torres Achilles tended in January. On the other side, you have Braden Smith in his fourth NFL season, a contract year for him. A little surprised, Mike, that no contract is done yet with, with Braden Smith or, or with Darius Leonard. Yeah, and I think that just I think when this is all said and done, we're gonna find out that the problem has been one, how high would the team was the team willing to go yeah. on these contracts, but then how they had to structure it to get these guys money up front. Because to do it the way they need to do it, you're not gonna give these guys twenty or thirty million dollar signing bonus. You just it doesn't work. And if I'm if I'm a player, I, I I want as much money as I can get up front. Of course. So it'll be you know maybe let's say ten million dollars signing bonuses and then a lot of guaranteed money. But we knew from the start that these were going to be massive contracts. Braden Smith, I don't know, sixteen seventeen million. We were talking a couple of weeks ago. Ryan Ramchick, mm -hmm. uh, I think was it 19, 18 or nineteen. Yeah, yeah, so it was in the nineteen. So we're saying yeah. Smith will probably command close to that, maybe eighteen. The difference with Ramchek was he has had a couple of Pro Bowl nods. He didn't even have an All-Pro. Yeah. yeah. So and, and Braden Smith hasn't quite made it. There I would think yet. 16, 17 yeah. for Smith. And with Darius, I mean, I I don't know. I think the top non-rush guy is is uh, 
Mr. Bobby Wagner at 18. Mm -hmm. Does he push 20 million? I don't know. He might. He might. I mean, with what he does, with sacks, with interceptions, with forced fumbles, like it's not just the big tackle numbers that he has. He's the game changer that you want. What's crazy is that the team spends three years just talking these guys up. This is this is our guy. (laughs) And then when it comes time to money, well, you know. So it's always about how how what's the common ground you can find. But in these two instances, I think more so it's. How creative can you be to give the guys money up front that is decent money while not blowing your – because right now they're like $14 million under the cap. Mm -hmm. So you have to find a way to to satisfy both immediate and long-term. And to me, that's with signing – moderate signing bonus of $10 million is moderate. And then guaranteed money later on. Well, if Eric Fisher is healthy, there probably aren't too many teams in the NFL that feel better about their bookend tackles than the Colts with Eric Fisher and Braden Smith. But you've got to get to Eric Fisher. Exactly. And in the meantime, it's going to be Sam Tevy or Julian Davenport over there. I think Sam Tevy or Will Holden. Or Will Holden. Will Holden is a very intriguing name because... Like you're looking, I was looking back at last year. I was like, which game was it that Will Holden played? It was the Packers game that he came in and played and then got hurt, unfortunately, after that. But he came in against the Packers. They have a pretty good defensive end out there uh, in Green Bay in uh, Zadarius Smith. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Zadarius? Um, who had, I think, 13 sacks last year. How many did he have against Indy? Zero. Zero sacks. So going into that game, again, that's one that you're, you're freaking out about if you're a Colts fan and you're giving that stat that, uh, without Anthony Costanzo, we're, we're this and this. And, and that showed that it, over the short term that they, they could, they could kind of game plan yeah. to help that guy and get through. The question is, can you game plan for a month Mm -hmm. without Eric Fisher? Also, Carter O'Donnell, uh, Jake Benzinger, uh, deeper on that list for for tackles. It'll be intriguing to see how many of those guys they carry at tackle. Because, let's see, last year the Colts only carried eight offensive linemen, period, out of training camp. I think before that they've had nine or ten. They'll carry at least nine this year. I, I would anticipate the same myself. But if you have four tackles or five tackles, it's Fisher, it's Smith for sure. I'd imagine Tevy makes it as well. Uh, then if you have five, that's Davenport and Will Holden. But that's, that's again, that's getting up there with, with the total number there. Now inside, Quentin Nelson entering his fourth NFL season, uh, first-round pick, first-team All-Pro, going for that for four consecutive times, obviously set, and you love it. Mark Lewinsky on the other side, uh, entering a contract year for him in his seventh NFL season. He's played the last four seasons with the Colts, started every game for the Colts the past two years. He's been the the um, the under-the-radar Iron Man, really, on, on that on that offensive line uh, behind him, Danny Pinter, who Chris Boward loves uh, said last year, he was trying to trade up for him in the draft. Wasn't able to get, work the trade up, but still fell to him. So you're glad to have him there signed. Chris Reed as a, uh, as a veteran help there uh, gave him a one year deal uh, played 14 games, 14 starts rather for the Panthers last year. Jake Eldrum clamp has been a practice squad journeyman. Uh, he's been on the Colts roster a little bit. Will Fries. Uh, the rookie out of Penn State drafted in the seventh round. They finally took an offensive lineman there in the NFL draft all the way down in the seventh round. Um, again, at, at the top, it looks really good. Uh, and then you have Pinter as your backup. Uh, so you, I think you feel pretty good about about the interior of the offensive line right now, the way it's set up. I It was several shows back, but I think we mentioned at one point that offensive line depth might be the biggest area improvement on this Colts team. Everywhere else just kind of seems either just – 
huge unknown or they, you know, treaded water and stayed the same. But you look, if somebody goes down, especially on the interior, I think you feel a lot better about it this year. Well, Chris, wasn't Chris Reed a starter with Carolina last year? Yes. Yeah, 14, 14 starts. And, and there was a really interesting, interesting story that Stephen Holder did on The Athletic about uh, cap and offensive line. Mm-hmm. The Colts, I think, are second or third in in the NFL on on budgeting offensive line money, it's like fifty million dollars. Alrighty, and that's without Braden Smith. And that's contract? without Braden Smith, and it's certainly without Quentin Nelson. Yeah. And that's gonna it's gonna be sixty seventy million. And can you do that? Well, I don't know, but Ballard said it'll be a big challenge. Keep in mind, they don't view Eric, Eric Fisher as a one year signing. They they think this that that if he's what they want him to be, this could be you know he can be their guy for the next three or four years. If that's the case. Then you start going again to the money, $16, 17 $18 million for your left tackle. All I know is with, with the importance they put on the offensive line, they will find a way to make it happen. Uh, and then when we get to center, like like with Ryan Kelly, was he top three or top four yep. highest paid centers? Yep, and uh, Joey Hunt is his backup in the middle. Is entering his second season with the Colts. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd imagine both of those guys will make the roster too because you want a you want a good, reliable backup center, and Joey Hunt was that See, for him last th- year. That's why you know I think if they had their druthers, they'd keep ten offensive linemen. Right. I don't think the roster dynamics works, but they're going to have nine barring injury. They're going to have nine pretty good guys. The question is going to be as we've talked about. How soon, Eric Fisher? Uh, yep. It, it's funny they got guys that, get, that all they need is an Achilles rehab specialist because yep. they got three or four guys come back from Achilles. Mm-hmm. And the the issue with with Marlon Mack is it came early. What was it September? Right. Eric Fisher's came in January. Mm-hmm. As did Dio Dangbo, who's on Correct. the defensive line. Who we'll get Correct. to later. Yeah. So so you're you're. I don't know when it's realistic to expect Fisher to play. I think Chris Ballard threw out. Eight months, I think, which I would think it's realistic to expect Fisher the 1st of October. Yeah, I think anything before October would be pretty darn early. Yeah, um, we, we had uh, Will Holden. Uh, Will Holden. Uh, now I'm getting him mixed up. But uh, Will, on it. I, I, I hate myself. He's at Injury Expert on Twitter. And Will, Carroll. Said, Will Carroll, thank you. Son of a gun, Dave. And like that's the second time I've forgotten his name. I, I feel like a total idiot because Will's <laughs> awesome. He's a good friend of the program, and we were just talking about Will Holden. So I, bl- I blame Will Holden, uh, but Will Carroll. We, he was on talking about uh, Achilles and how how the the surgery the process has uh, been different just in recent years and the um, the procedures and all that. He says like you can come back to work and just rehabbing yourself after six or seven months. You can be on a football field. Of course, then that's a big difference between getting there and uh, to uh, to game shape. So there's a chance we see him out on the field at some time during training camp. But uh, the, the fact that, uh, well, exactly how much we see him is, is certainly going to be up in the air. I think he's a guy, they'll, they'll have a handful of players who will open camp on Pup. I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of them. But you, but then you you can't, I, I need to go back and look what the, what, the, what the dynamics are, but I don't think you want to open the season with him on Pup then you lose that's, five, six weeks. That's, well, I think it's like seven or eight weeks. Okay. So that that's where you don't want, although it's a longer season, they really want Fisher ready sooner rather than later, but they, they can't push it because their idea is that we're going to do what we can to, I don't hate to say muddle through, but to get through the first four or five games, which is a buzzsaw. I mean, they're just a buzzsaw. 
but to have your team intact, meaning your left tackle, come November, December. But you've got to make sure you get to November, December in good shape to where it matters. Well, then he's got to gel with those guys, well, that's, too. It's, mm-hmm. and, and you can say what you want, but there's probably no position. You always talk about, you know, they always say, well, four guys do their job, but one guy does, and it doesn't work. Yeah. That's the position where you've got to have them in, in, in unison. And uh, he won't he won't be working with the first unit until, what, the end of September? Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I want to talk about these backups here because doing the math, they – keep the five tackles, the two centers with Kelly and Joey Hunt, uh, that's already up to seven. seven yeah. So how many guards are they going to keep there? I think that if, if there's only nine guys, like you, you, you've got to keep four tackles, three on the interior, and then both your centers. Because one of your, like Joey Hunt can maybe get pushed into a, a guard. Could necessary. be your backup center. And he could be as well. He so started you, at center the one right. game Kelly missed last year. So yeah. maybe, he, maybe, maybe it's Hunt four is. interior linemen with Joey or with uh, – Reed and Pinter. Correct. And, and, and Pinter's your backup guy. And, and then uh, maybe Joey Hunt's on the practice squad and maybe he's pulled up. That's possible. Yeah. yeah. So that's our uh, camp rundown or pre camp rundown of the offensive side of the football for the Colts. Be sure to come back next week and join us for a look at the defensive side of the ball. And then, of course, training camp will be coming up the following week. So looking forward to that, seeing some horseshoes on the field out in Westfield and uh, things returning to more normal this year across the NFL. Our normal is uh, one podcast every week, so we plan to continue doing that for you all. You can follow us uh, on Twitter, as I've mentioned, at Colts Blue Zone throughout the week for Colts News and Notes. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Get us delivered to your podcast listening device as soon as it drops. We do thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.